हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशन विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब सो सो टुडे आई हैव विद मी प्रोफेसर अमिता दत्त Amitadi is the Uday Shankar Professor of Dance at Rabindra Bharati University, Kolkata, and has been serving the world of Kathak for more than three decades. Groomed in the strictest classical traditions under Pandit Birju Maharaji, Professor Bela Arnab, Pandit Vijay Shankar, and other leading maestros of the premier Kathak gharanas, Amitadi dances with a hypnotic force and subtle sensitivity, combining rhythmic virtuosity with delicate expressiveness. commendable tayari with mastery in abhinayam in her art we find a successful blend of tradition and talent environmental totality as well as breathtaking dynamism her innovative analytic mind has also encouraged her to experiment with new ideas uh, thus expanding the boundaries of kathak amita ji how are you fine thank you how are you i'm very happy to be here in your program yeah, thank, thank you for inviting me Thanks for coming here, and yeah, at this point, I'd like to thank Dr. Anjasha Anjali, my first Kathak teacher, who kind of introduced me to you, as well. And I guess just to get started, ma'am, I guess I wanted to know, like, in, when it comes to academia, and uh, I guess, ma'am, I wanted to know, like, for my first question, I wanted to know when it comes to say research topics or trends in the when it comes to researching Kathak right now, what are the trends you see emerging? What are some topics you feel students should be exploring? A scholar should be. I'm very curious about your thoughts in that matter. Okay, uh, like I have had a number of uh, research scholars mm -hmm. uh, working under me, and I've been the guide for their PhD. Yeah, and uh, the trends are like this. Some of them have done research on historical aspects, hmm. contributions of uh, particular uh, persons or Uh, certain patrons. Mm. Then again, on the evolution of Kathak, mm. we know that Kathak has emerged from the very ancient uh, Kathaka tradition, which is the storytelling tradition. And surprisingly, this tradition is still alive in many of the temples of Uttar Pradesh and Bihar in India. So I've had. in fact i've been the examiner of a delit thesis which mm. has explored this area okay and has compared the performances of these kathakars mm -hmm. with the current trend today okay so uh, that has been a very interesting uh, topic mm -hmm. and uh, again i have had scholars working on uh, important persons important artists mm -hmm. like of course there's one on pandit birju maharaj mm -hmm. then on lachu maharaj ji then on shambhu maharaj uh, then again on nawab wajid ali shah mm -hmm. who was not only a great patron of kathak but he himself was a dancer and he added many new dimensions to kathak so these are some aspects then moving on from the historical part Mm -hmm. we come to the technical part mm. where the sound syllables of kathak have been explored oh. then the connection of the sound syllables with movements 
of the hands, the body, and the feet. These have also been explored. Okay. Again, new trends in Kathak. Choreography, dance dramas, then presentation for the modern stage. Mm -hmm. In earlier times, the area in which Kathak was performed was more or less a limited area in uh, northern India, mm -hmm. uh, covering the uh, royal courts of the Maharajas and Nawabs along the Indo-Gangetic Valley. Mm -hmm. But today, Kathak is being performed all over the world. Now, as a result, what has happened is that Kathak has to compete with other dance forms. In earlier times, one Kathak dancer was competing with another Kathak dancer. Hmm. So innovations were there. But again, since uh, it was all within the Kathak tradition, hmm. the innovations were not that uh, very uh, uh, sort of dynamic or not that innovative, if I may say. Hmm. But today, Kathak dancers are not only competing with other classical dancers, they are also competing with folk dancers, mm. then modern dancers, dancers of other countries. Right. So in order to keep the Kathak tradition alive mm. and to draw audiences to the artist, right. one has to experiment, one has to think, and one has to make one's performance very, very attractive in a competitive world. Right. Then again, in uh, as far as the research is concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other areas of research, like how uh, the Kathak tradition has helped in uh, uh, cementing relationships with different states and different countries. Mm. For instance, today Kathak is being performed in the United States. So right. even without actually uh, mm. having a military conquest, we are having a cultural conquest in which our mm. ideas are being transferred to the United States and people are becoming followers of our tradition. Mm. In fact, this reminds me of an essay by Rabindranath Tagore, yeah. where he said that if we study history, we will see many great kings who were great conquerors, mm. who had a lot of military prowess. Right. But they have left very little influence. But those who concentrated on the cultural aspect, mm -hmm. they are the ones who have left a, a sort of permanent impression. Hmm. Today, when we think of Greece or Rome, we do right. not think of the military prowess, but we mm. think of the cultural influence. And even if we think of the Buddhist tradition, mm -hmm. without any military prowess, hmm. the lessons of Buddha, the ideas of Buddha were carried across the major part of Asia and even beyond. Hmm. So in this way, today, Kathak is being performed all over the world and new ideas are uh, being infused into foreign countries. And again, Kathak is also being influenced by the dances of different countries. Hmm. They, when we speak of choreography in Kathak, it has been to a large extent influenced by ballet. Hmm. And uh, because in earlier times when Kathak dancers were going abroad and performing, they also saw performances of other dancers. 
And mm. from there, they learned the idea about choreography, about stage presentation. And so in this way, Kathak has uh, blossomed. And mm. this is also an area where a lot of research is being done on how foreign influences came in and how Kathak acted as mm. a mode of building friendship with different countries. Understood. Mm. So yeah, let's see. To summarize, you talked about cultural influences from India to abroad and abroad to India. Then you talked about the technical aspects that are being explored and like going and back into the aspects as well. That's really interesting what everything that's going on. So I guess... Then the, another one, uh, thing that I would like to say, I mean, first. research is being done on this aspect also. Which one? How Kathak has picked up movements, especially footwork, hand movements, body movements from other classical dance traditions mm. and other folk dance traditions of India. Oh, do you have an example for that? Yes. For instance, uh, let us take uh, the uh, rhythm Takita Takita Ghena. Hmm. So when we're doing Takita Takita Ghena, the, the Takita Takita part is being done with the flat foot at the heel. But with the Ghena, you use the side of the foot. Hmm. And that has been taken uh, according to Pandit Birju Maharaj, I mean, he himself introduced it. He said that he took it from Kathakali because in Kathakali, you stand on the side of the feet and you use that with force. Oh. So again, uh, many of the lilting movements of Manipuri influenced Kathak hmm. and uh, movements of the torso, uh, torso the wave-like movements, the swaying movements have been influenced. Then again, there are many ideas that have come from Karnatic music. Hmm. Uh, the uh, Khandajati, which is actually a rhythm of five. Taka, takita, taka, takita. Then uh, the Misrajati. Taka, dimi, takita, taka, dimi, takita, seven. So these were not there traditionally in Hindustani music and therefore in Kathak, but these were adopted from Karnatic music or from South India. Oh. Okay, that's good to know. Those are very good examples. Thank you so much, ma'am. And I guess going into the next thing, uh, ma'am, I guess I wanted to know since uh, I, I, I know that uh, one of the things you are kind of working on right now is establishing the Bengal Gharana. I wanted to get some context on uh, what are you working on? And yeah, because, I'm, because I, I, as a Bengali, I've always been curious since, you know, I think West Bengal itself never had a classical dance to call it for its own state. So I was just wondering. Oh, like what is what are your explorations with the Bengal Gharana? See, uh, let me tell you this: that my main training has been in the Lucknow Gharana, hmm. uh, under Pandit Birju Maharaji, and also under Pandit Vijay Shankar and under Professor Bela Arnab. They have all been a part of. I mean, Birju Maharaji has been a direct descendant of the great stalwarts of this Gharana. Mm-hmm. And uh, Belaji learned under Shambhu Maharaji, who is uh, Vijayashankar's uncle. And Vijayashankarji himself also learned from Pandit Bhijju Maharaj. So my main training was in the Lucknow Gharana. But in studying the history mm-hmm. of Kathak, I found that this Gharana did not originate in Lucknow. Mm. It originated in a place called Hardia. In, uh, when we write it in English, it is written as Handia, H-A-N-D-I-A, Achha. which is in Allahabad district in UP. Hmm. Ishwari Prasadji, 
was a great Kathak guru and a Kathak dancer. And he had a dream that Sri Krishna came to him and said that Kathak is in many ways uh, becoming degenerated. So I want you to bring this back to its pristine beauty and its uh, mood of devotion. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, our Kathak uh, Gharana started, Ishwari Prasadji. Mm -hmm. Then Ishwari Prasadji had three sons, Arguji, Khadguji, and Tularamji. Mm -hmm. And Arguji's son, Prakashji, mm -hmm. he actually came from Allahabad to Lucknow. Okay. By that time, I mean, Lucknow, I mean, the entire province of Awal, at mm -hmm. one time it was uh, uh, Suba. I mean, uh, Suba is a province under the Mughal Emperor Akbar. Mm -hmm. But gradually, as the Mughal dynasty was uh, on its uh, decline, uh, Awad at one time, uh, I mean, sort of uh, stated that it was an independent state. And with the help of the British, they uh, fought against the Mughal emperor and established Awad as a state. Okay. I mean, uh, so, uh, I mean, Awad as a kingdom rather. And uh, so it was Sadat Ali who became the first official independent Nawab of uh, Awad. Mm -hmm. So after that, we have had several Nawabs. And there are two very important persons from the uh, view of Qatar. One mm -hmm. is Asaputtao. Asapot Daula shifted the capital of Awad from Faizabad to Lucknow. And there he invited many, many great artists, mm -hmm. artists of all genres, like um, dancers, musicians, singers. And there were also very well-known, uh, I mean, tailors mm -hmm. and also chefs, I mean, cooks who uh, had their traditional Lucknowi style. In fact, every aspect of uh, any uh, artistic form was patronized by Lanoa. Right. So at that time, Prakashji, grandson of Ishwari Prasadji, hearing about the greatness and the glory of Lucknow, because Asapodbana gave handsome rewards to mm. everybody who impressed him. So Prakashji came to Lucknow. Asapodala was so happy seeing his dance that he appointed him the court dancer, Raj Natlak. And so from here, the association with Lucknow started. Hmm. So it's not that this gharana originated in Lucknow. Mm -hmm. But the grandeur of the gharana was established in Lucknow. So after Prakashji, mm -hmm. Prakashji's sons, Thakur Prasadji and Durga Prasadji, mm -hmm. they were great Kathak dancers. In fact, they were also teachers of Nawab Wajid Ali Shah. Then we come to Bindadin Maharaj and Kalka Prasad, the next generation, mm -hmm. followed by the following generation of Achan Maharaj, Lachu Maharaj, Shambhu Maharaj. Mm -hmm. And Achan Maharaj's son is Pandit Biju Maharaj. Now, we all know that Nawab Wajid Ali Shah was deposed. Mm. He had to give up his kingdom 
of Awadh, and from Lucknow he came to Kolkata. Now, when he came, a number of dancers, musicians, and all forms of artists came with him, mm. but many did not. And actually, Bindadin Maharaji and Kalka Prashadji, they did not come. They went on staying in Lucknow. Mm. And uh, even their uh, children, Achan Maharaji, Lachu Maharaji, Shamu Maharaji, they also did not come. I mean, they uh, came from time to time to Kolkata, but their house was in uh, Lucknow, given by uh, Wajid Ali Shah, and okay. they stayed there. So if you think that this gharana has been connected with Lucknow for mm. about three or four generations, and right. yet we call it the Lucknow gharana. Now, if we think of Kolkata, Hmm. In 1856, Wajid Ali Shah came to Kolkata. Hmm. I mean, he was brought to Kolkata by the British. I mean, it was not Kolkata that time, it was called Calcutta. Hmm. So I still call it Calcutta. Calcutta. And with him came a number of musicians and dancers. Yeah. Actually, from that time, the influence of Hindustani music and dance, I mean, Kathak is a part of the Hindustani dance. Yeah. This has been very, very uh, a very important part of the cultural heritage of our city. Mm. Now, from 1856 to today, if we calculate the time, and if we calculate the time of the Lucknow Gharana in Lucknow, we will see that within a few years, Kolkata will sort of equal the time. Oh. Now, what is there about a Gharana? Mm. The important thing is that it has to be practiced for three generations. Now, it need not be your own child. I mean, your disciple is as good as your child. Mm -hmm. So if I, my disciple, and my disciple's disciple, so that's three generations. So mm -hmm. it takes three generations to form a gharana. Mm -hmm. Now, there has to be something unique about a gharana. I mean, you, I mean, just three generations together, I mean, practicing whatever they have learned, that is not good enough. Mm. So, you might ask me that what is there that is special about Bengal, about the Bengal Gharana that I'm trying to establish? That was going to be my question, yes. Yes. So, in uh, Bengal, melody has always been very important. Hmm. Because if we think of the tradition of Kirtans and Dhons, and, and Bengal, I mean, in almost every family, People can sing very well. And melody always touches the hearts of all Bengalis. Now, I found that, for instance, in the Jaipur Gharana, the mm. stress is more on rhythm. Mm. Rhythm is fine. But if melody is added to rhythm, then it becomes even more attractive. So I have brought in the importance of melody in my Kathak presentations. Mm. If you study my performances, all the items are set on songs. And the songs are interspersed with rhythmic variations. For instance, mm -hmm. when there is a, a connection uh, of uh, uh, some rhythmic idea, then I bring in important rhythmic variations. And it's not that I'm leaving out the rhythm, but mm -hmm. I'm also focusing on the melodic part. Then being from Bengal and having a rich tradition of Bengali 
songs mm-hmm. which I have learned. I have used these songs. I have used a number of kirtans of Bengal, and then of course songs by Rabindranath Tagore, mm-hmm. Gaji Nazrul Islam, the General Al Roy, Atul Prasad Sen, and even more modern songs like those of Sholil Choudhury and other contemporary uh, uh, I mean, artists who have introduced a rich uh, heritage of songs to our cultural world. So I've used these as the base of the items which have been interspersed with rhythmic variations. Again, uh, in Bengal, the influence of Manipuri was also there. So the lilting movements of Manipuri have also come in to my uh, dance style. But of course, I won't say that I'm the first to introduce it because if you study Pandit Birju Maharaj's dance, it also has the beautiful lilting idea. And Maybe what does lilting mean? Manipuri. Yes. What does lilting mean? I'm, I'm new to that. Lilting song. means something which is wave-like, which blends into one another. The, I mean, it has, um, I mean, sort of, well, if you can compare melody with movement, okay. I mean, the melodic beauty is reflected in the movement. Okay. Whereas uh, rhythmic movements means more or less staccato movements. Hmm. Understood. So these are some important features of uh, the Bengal Kharana that I'm trying to establish. And hmm. I always say that Bengal has done so much for Kathak. Hmm. And today, if you think of all the number of dancers who are performing in Bengal, yeah. of the total number, more than 60% are Kathak dancers. Hmm. So why should we not give recognition to our own state, to our own heritage? And I want to say that I have, or rather I am a performer of the Bengal Karana. It had been my dream that I would invite Pandit Birju Maharaj and present an entire performance of the Bengal Kharana before him and ask him to bless it. But somehow that, I mean, like the, suddenly the COVID stopped all activities and then Maharaji is gone now. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure he'll be blessing us from above. Yeah. Um, yeah, I must say that uh, I'm really impressed by how you remember all the names of everyone. And like when you talk about when you talked about the whole history, and you have the whole timeline state, and you remember the names and 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 who the sons are and how everything falls into place, and it's like a perfect photographic memory for you. And ma'am, I guess uh, one thing I want to know. So now that you've kind of you've kind of explained what the Bengal Gharana is, what's, what's unique about it and why it means so much to you. When it comes to, say, spreading the word, establishing it, or maybe, say, get it into textbooks, what are, what are the ways you're kind of spreading awareness about it in the community to, to the audience? And how are you dispersing that information to others? See, wherever I go, mm-hmm. uh, I always, I mean, uh, even in traditional Kathak performances, I always say that uh, these are, the items I've learned from my Guruji's. Mm-hmm. And these are uh, traditional items, but these are ones that I have created. Hmm. And I would proudly like to say that they are a part of the Bengal Gharana, of the Bengal heritage. Hmm. So in performances, I always include one or two items of the Bengal Gharana, and sometimes even more, especially when I'm performing within Bengal or 
uh, amongst Bengali people. For instance, in the United States, yeah. we have a number of Bengali associations who have invited me. And mm. there also, I have presented items of my Bengal Karana. So that is one way. And uh, whenever I write, I write on uh, the uh, importance of our state, the contribution of Bengal mm-hmm. to the cultural heritage of India, mm-hmm. and how I am trying to include the Bengal Gharana within the Qatar tradition. Understood. Of course, it will take some time. Mm-hmm. People don't accept novel ideas very quickly. That's true. But uh, I'm sure. Uh, I still have some time to spend on this earth and I'll be able to establish this karana. And even if I'm not able to, my disciples will. I'm sure they will. And I'm sure you have a long, long time ahead of you, Mantari. And um, I guess coming to the next thing, um, since you talked a little bit about rhythmic aspects, I was a little curious about that. And my curiosity comes from, I just started taking Sital Vidya lessons and we, we like, and we learned about how to, how compositions are formed and things like that. So I wanted to know, like when you're kind of doing choreographies and you're trying to uh, like select a certain Tal or say with Teen Tal versus Dhamar or Jhap Tal, how do you decide which Tal to pick and how does that change the mood of your dance? I'm just curiosity. and just wanted to know about how you, how you choose a Tal per se. See, first of all, uh, I, uh, uh, depend more on my right brain than on my left for this. I mean, like in the sense that it's more on emotions. Hmm. Uh, uh, I suddenly like a song. Achha. And then I think that, no, I want to create a dance on this. Hmm. And that process is also not uh, a very hurried process. You know, mm-hmm. like you hear a song, you go on thinking about it then ideas dawn on you. Mm. It's not that, you know, like uh, mathematics that, okay, here is uh, a song and it has this tal and it has so many beats and so this will fit into uh, uh, this rhythmic composition. No, it's not like that. Mm. See, the thing is that, you know, like uh, when we speak about the difference between knowledge and wisdom, knowledge Mm -hmm. is something you have learned, but wisdom is something that comes out of you when the knowledge is within you. So I have learned Kathak for a number of years. Mm. I mean, several decades. And I have been practicing it for so long. So, mm. you know, like the rhythm is within me. And when I hear a song, then I think that, no, these uh, rhythmic compositions will go very well with this song. So it comes like that. You know, it's more uh, through a spurt of emotion and creativity mm. rather than through calculation. Mm. And uh, I must say that the maximum number of songs uh, that I have used are either in uh, Tritaal or in uh, Dadra or in Kaharba. Mm-hmm. So which is that uh, Tritaal and Kaharba are in uh, beats of four, like four, 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 four is Tritaal and four, four is Kaharba. And uh, then uh, Dadra is there combined with Ektal. Then I've also used Jhaptal and mm-hmm. Shultal, which are of 10 beats. And then of seven beats, Dhamar and Rupak, Teora. So uh, it's basically that I've been influenced by the song. And then I have thought of how rhythmic beats could uh, be brought in or rhythmic units could be brought in, bowls and other units could be brought into the song. Mm-hmm. 
so uh, I mean, uh, it's uh, it it came from within me. I mean, I, it wasn't something that I sat down and calculated uh, and mm. uh, wrote down. I mean, it was something that emerged from within me. Mm. And uh, of course, the songs which had to do with dance or some rhythmic aspect, I mean, that naturally influenced me. I'll speak of a song about um, the Lassia and Tandav aspect of uh, sure. dance. Sure. Uh, this is a song by uh, Kaji Nazrul Islam, mm -hmm. where he's, uh, he implores mm -hmm. Lord Shiva. And the words are Srijano Chonde, Anonde, Nacho Natarajahe. So he says that generally when we speak of uh, Nataraj, we always uh, say that he is doing Tandava, mm -hmm. uh, the dance of destruction. But Nazrul says that no, I want you to do the dance of creation not only destruction. Mm. And just as the river Mandakini flows onto the earth mm. from the heavens, so also let your dance flow with, you know what I had said, lilting, with lilting grace mm. uh, onto this earth. And so uh, there are these two aspects, the traditional aspect of associating Nataraj with the Tandava slime mm. and uh, Nazrul's idea of bringing in the last year's time. So these two I have uh, combined in this uh, uh, dance, which is based on the song Sri Janna Chande, which is in Chaptal, mm -hmm. and a number of beautiful uh, rhythmic combinations, which I learned from my Gurujis in Chaptal have come in because I felt that uh, they would enhance the beauty of the song and the beauty of the dance when I was presenting it. Mm. So in this way, I have chosen songs which inspired me to dance. And because I'm a Kathak dancer, naturally the dance brought in rhythm and various aspects of Kathak. Hmm. Understood. So yeah, I, I really I understand now you, what you're saying is that it doesn't, it's not like a strict calculation and it just kind of comes from within. And and it and what you said, I really like what you said, like comes from within after you learn for a long amount of time and that's where it comes from. Yeah. And... I guess going to my next thing, since we talked about the rhythm aspects, I want to talk a little bit about the Abhinaya aspects with you, ma'am. I guess special, specifically for your portrayal of Madhurga, because we see a lot of portrayal of, say, Krishna in Kathak or Shiv in Kathak. And since you've done a lot of work with Madhurga, very curious to know about how you start, like when you portray her, how do you feel that emotion within her? How do you kind of bring that character out? What, what kind of research you do? Just be curious about what goes into portraying her. Yes, let me speak to you uh, about, uh, uh, I mean, let me tell you about uh, the traditions in Katha. Sure. As I said that Ishwari Prasadji, I had told mm. you that uh, Ishwari Prasadji of Allahabad, he had had a dream of Krishna. Krishna coming and tell him, telling him to bring Katha back to its original pristine beauty. Sure. And since Krishna had come to him in his dream, he said mm. that from now on, he would just perform items on Krishna. Mm. So, in our Lucknow Gharana, mm -hmm. the majority of items are all set on Krishna. Mm. The very great artist, Bindadil Maharaj, mm. whose original name was Brindaban uh, Mishra, but uh, you know, like uh, he was called Bindadil, and from there 
it, he's well known as Bindadin Maharaj. Mm. So he was a devotee of Krishna. In fact, he saw himself as an incarnation or as the earthly uh, sort of representative of Radha. And he devoted himself to Krishna. Mm. And his tumris are still performed today. And there are so many tumris that he has composed. One uh, can't actually give the exact numbers because no one knows, mm -hmm. but definitely more than 500. And they wow. are all on Sri Krishna. Mm. Then in the Jaipur Gharana tradition, mm -hmm. there is also the influence of Shiva. Mm -hmm. Because uh, originally, uh, Jaipur Gharana dancers performed keeping the idea of Shiva in their mind. Mm. But again, since Jaipur and Lucknow are not too far away, I mean, dancers from here went to that place and they came here. And so the influence of uh, both uh, gods on the dancers were there. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, the person, I mean, the first name that we hear, the first uh, guru's name that we hear of the Jaipur Karana, Bhanuji. Hmm. Bhanuji, it is said, learned the Shiva Tandava from a saint. But again, his grandson, Laluji came to Brindavan and from there he learned the Lasya technique of Krishna. Okay. So uh, in Jaipur you have Shiva and Krishna but in uh, the Lucknow Gharana it is uh, mainly uh, Sri Krishna who dominates mm -hmm. but nowadays uh, there are presentation, uh, presentations on Shiva as well. Yeah. Now I have learned these traditions mm -hmm. And in fact, the majority of items that I learned were on Sri Krishna hmm. and also some on Shiva. Hmm. And, uh, you know, like uh, in the Lucknow Gharana, uh, Krishna and Ram are not uh, sort of differentiated much. In fact, ideas of Rama also come in. And there are songs by Bindadin Maharaj where both Shiva, uh, both Rama and Krishna are mm -hmm. mentioned and you uh, don't find much of a difference between the two because you know like uh, ultimately they are a part of Vishnu. So I learned all these items. Then uh, we have what is called a Gat Bhava. A Gat Bhava is a dramatic presentation which you do and in which the solo dancer does the roles of various uh, characters. Mm -hmm. Now one of my favorite uh, items, I mean one that really was very popular uh, uh, wherever I performed. And in fact, I've given more than 100 performances of this item in the United States as such. So this is called uh, uh, Sita Apaharan. Hmm. And Sita Apaharan, you have Sita and you have Ram and you have Ravan. Now, many times people used to tell me that when, you, when you're doing Ravan, especially when Ravan is very angry and uh, when uh, he is abducting Sita and taking, him, uh, taking her away in the chariot, yeah. Uh, so many people used to say that you're doing it very well, but uh, I mean, my, I don't mind my saying this because I'm quoting from the people in the audience. They said, but a beautiful dancer like you, you shouldn't be doing Ravan. You should be doing uh, the role of a lady who is angry. Mm -hmm. uh, then someone also said, you should be doing the role of Durga hmm. because Durga is angry and that will suit you so well with your beauty and your grace. Hmm. So that idea was there. Then again, uh, as a Bengali, yes. uh, I was invited to so many places where Durga Puja was being held. Mm -hmm. Because within our country, within India, uh, every Durga Puja uh, 
performance. I mean, sorry, every Durga Puja ritual. I mean, it has cultural programs in the evening, yeah. and uh, there are uh, dance presentations. And I was mm -hmm. invited to these. And even outside India, whether mm -hmm. you think of Europe or uh, the rest of Asia mm -hmm. or uh, the United States and Canada, mm -hmm. everywhere. The Bengalis used to invite me, a Bengali dancer, during Durga Puja. So I used to think that here I am, a Bengali mm. performing for Bengalis, performing during the grand festival of Bengal Durga. Mm -hmm. And although I have uh, a great love for uh, Sri Krishna, but somehow uh, I term the whole performance on Krishna doesn't go well with the Durga Puja, uh, mm. uh, sort of ambience. Okay. So I started thinking of having a presentation on Durga. Hmm. Now, from the time I was very young, my grandmother had taught me to recite the Durga Saptashati, which is the Sri Sri Chandi, I mean, the verses on uh, Durga from the Markandeya Purana. And there I learned the various aspects of Durga. Hmm. Then in Bengal, we have various beautiful songs on Durga. Hmm. On Mahalaya, we have the beautiful song, Jago Tumi Jago, Jago Durga. And then again, uh, in a very famous movie, uh, you have the song, Trinayani Durga. Hmm. So I collected all these songs. I mean, collected meaning that I was influenced by all these songs. I knew them from the time I was young. Then I chose uh, verses from the Chandi, which I could portray through dance. Mm -hmm. And I put them all together and I created this dance drama called Durga. Mm. And there, of course, I did the role of Durga. And uh, I uh, always had a fascination from Dur for Durga. I mean, although mm. I was performing Sri Krishna's role, uh, uh, role at Gathak, but from the time I was young, I was always mesmerized by the idea of Durga. Mm. Because uh, Somehow, I felt that, uh, you know, either women are looked on as weak people, I mean, uh, as a weaker sex, and have to, they have to be looked after, and they have to be cared for by the men. Then again, uh, there is this idea that, uh, uh, I mean, many uh, women, in order to show their power, they try to uh, sort of conceal their feminine aspect. Hmm. In uh, the uh, history of the suffragette movement and so on, you have seen that the women, they always wanted to prove that they are like men and they wanted to dress up like men and behave like men. Hmm. But I felt that no, Durga is a beautiful blend of all that I wanted. Hmm. She is beautiful. She is full of love. She is uh, very gracious. But again, when evil appears before her, hmm. she can take on ferocious images and she can destroy evil. So I liked all these aspects. And in fact, uh, I often imagined in my dreams that I was Durga. And uh, when I gave performances of Durga, uh, I felt that uh, I was Durga. And, you know, like uh, the way I... Uh, sort of uh, performed on the stage with the power and you know, like my eyes became different and everybody said that uh, you know like I wasn't my normal self mm. I was Durga and there were so many places where 
uh, when I performed, especially in front of uh, uh, people who were uh, followers or who were uh, real devotees of Durga, hmm? many people came and touched my feet after the performances. Wow. And when the performances were going on, Mm -hmm. uh, they often got up from their chair and on the aisle they actually uh, uh, did pranam, you know, proning themselves, you know, what's called shashtanga pranam uh, mm -hmm. and uh, to Durga. And, uh, you know, like uh, one or two of my friends said that they laughed and they said that they were doing this. So I said that, look, if we can look at an image of Durga made of clay and if we can think that Durga resides there, then why can't the spirit of Durga come within me for a few moments or for some time when mm. I am a human being and I have the form which Durga uh, took and I'm thinking of Durga, dreaming of Durga, uh, meditating on Durga. Mm. So that's how the item uh, or like the presentation Durga came about. It has been very, very popular uh, all over the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has uh, really uh, been, uh, I mean, it has really taken me to so many great and important places. And I've uh, received so many awards for it also. In fact, uh, when I said these words about the ideal woman uh, at a performance uh, in Cincinnati, the mayor was there and she presented me with the keys to the city of Cincinnati and gave oh. me a uh, a special uh, proclamation and also that day she called uh, uh, I mean uh, Amita that day hmm. and uh, also uh, we have that Sahaj Yoga Society when Nirmala Mata she invited me to all her centers mm -hmm. in Europe and in India to give performances of Durga because she said that yes women should model themselves on Durga okay um, I really liked what you said about, you know, meditating on thinking of and performing Durga and, uh, and I, that the, 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 the idea of like, you know, uh, a deity residing inside you for a few minutes is very interesting to me. I haven't thought of that before. And thank us. For, thank you for taking us through the journey, how you did it, do the research you did and what the reception has been like. That's yes, really, and, really uh, one more thing is that uh, regarding mm. the ten hands of Durga, mm. uh, within certain poses, I uh, stand. You know, like I have four other dancers, my disciples, standing behind me. Mm -hmm. and they have the same; they, their body contour, their angles are the same as mine. They follow mine, and you know, like uh, their uh, hands plus my hand that makes ten hands. And Regarding this, I would just like to say one thing, which is mm -hmm. which may sound funny, but to me it is very touching. Yeah. Uh, once I was performing this uh, in uh, a place in Kolkata, and there were many uh, uh, people who were doing pranam and who were, you know, like lifting uh, their hands in prayer and all that. Yeah. And then after the performance, my mother said that. You know, my mother was uh, not someone who always uh, uh, said good th things about me, but she said mm. that everybody was folding their hands in front of you. I also did that. And then I thought that this mm. is my daughter. How can I pray to her? But mm. then I thought that, no, I'm not praying to my daughter. I'm mm. praying to the spirit that has come within her. Mm. And, you know, in Bengali, we have uh, this idea of saying a bhor, like someone's spirit 
comes and uh, resides on you for uh, some time. Okay. Uh, so you know, like sometimes uh, certain gods and goddesses, I mean, uh, they are said to uh, come and uh, enter the body of a person. So I, I feel that when I'm doing Durga, mm -hmm. the spirit of Durga comes within my body. Okay. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Amazing. And ma'am, I guess one thing I want to know is like, since you talked about your disciples as well, is this some, is there a certain, when you imparted, or is, is, is this portrayal something you've been able to impart to your disciples or how do you teach this to someone? Because this has been kind of something you've kind of developed yourself. And when you impart it on to someone, your students, how does that look like? See, there are two aspects of Katha. Mm -hmm. One is the technical aspect. Yeah. Where the movements of the hands, the feet, the rest of the body, the eyes and all. So these technical aspects you teach by actually showing them and making the disciples follow it. Yes. Okay. So, and then you go on asking that person to do it until it, you think it is correct. The other part is Abhinaya. Mm -hmm. You can't teach Abhinaya the way that you teach the technical aspect. Mm. Like you can't say that smile like this or show your anger like this. No. Okay. Abhinaya is taught by making the disciple think along certain lines. Hmm. You have to have the disciple get into the mood, the spirit of what that person is doing. And you have to inspire that mood within your disciple. And automatically that expression will come. Hmm. And nice. this is how I have been doing it. Like uh, my uh, Guruji, Bandit Bejumaraji, he always used to say that when you're doing tumris, mm -hmm. no matter how old you are, you have to think you're a 16-year-old girl living in Vrindavan. So you transport yourself mm -hmm. to a certain geographical area and a certain historical period mm -hmm. and also a certain time of your own life. And then only will that character come alive. So mm -hmm. you have to teach your students to think and to imagine. They have to go into that world mm. of uh, thinking that they are in this situation. Okay. Yeah, so, and yeah, thanks for making that differentiation between how you teach the technical aspects in Abhinay. And that kind of goes back to what you're talking about, like the right part of your brain also. So, yes. Uh, and in fact, uh, we have many foreign students who come to our university. Oh. And uh, when they come, I always tell them that, look, technical aspects, I will teach you in class. Mm. But in order to get into the Abhinaya, first, you have to be familiar with Indian mythology. Right. Because, see, uh, our stories are based mostly on mythological characters. So if we don't know who these characters are, what their nature is. Mm -hmm what their impact was to society, we won't be able to do it. So mm. I make all the uh, foreign students study the mythological aspects. Then we discuss them with uh, the students and then gradually they get into the spirit. Understood. The technical aspects. I mean, although they you uh, sort of burn up a lot of your energy, but they are easier to learn than mm. the Abhinaya aspects. Because for Abhinaya, you have to get into the soul, that I may say, of the item. Makes sense for that to get into the soul. 
Okay. And when you're talking about like say students and this is something I have been curious about. Uh, like, so say, you know, in Kathak, what I'm usually familiar with say is people doing say a Visharat. And uh, so say, or other, and you know, when it comes to curriculum and structure syllabus, there's, there's the Akhil Bharti Gandha Mahavadyalaya there's, and then you hear about the ISCD when it comes to the international syllabus. I wanted to know like, when uh, I wanted to know when it comes to doing a BA, it's like say when do, studying dance from like say Ravind, Ravindabhati University, how how does that compare to say doing a Visharad or like doing a BA in performing arts? And like when someone's making a decision in a, say, a career in dance, what would make sense or what are the things they should consider when there are so many, there's some options in front of them? Yes. See, in order to make a career in dance, you have to dance well. <laughs> yes. That is the first uh, and uh, the most important requisite. Yes. Now, the thing is that in earlier times, a person's dance and a person's guru's certificate. Even now, I have many students who have not officially given any examination in Kathak. Mm-hmm. They have studied in other areas. But when they go to different places or when they apply for uh, government jobs or other things, I give them the certificate, okay. which is I mean, like a uh, well-known guru certificate is good enough. Okay. But again, uh, there are these examinations. There are the university examinations, VA, MA. Of course, now MPhil is gone, but still uh, it was there just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. PhD. And there, there are these, I mean, uh, Visharad, Nipun, uh, then uh, other uh, examination uh, centers give different names yeah. uh, to mm-hmm. their degrees. Just one minute. Now, there are a number of examination centers that have come up. And then there are those traditional ones like the Prayag, Sangeet Samiti, Apelaba, then the Prachin Kala Kedra of Chandigarh. These have been there for quite a long time. Now it depends on the university where you're going to do your PhD, whether they will accept those degrees or not. Some mm-hmm. universities accept the Prayag and the Chandigarh degrees as equivalent to BA or MA, and some don't. Yeah. But uh, uh, in uh, BA and MA from certain universities are accepted. Mm. Now that depends on the university itself and their uh, protocol. Now, let me tell you this, that in the university, a syllabus is followed, regular examinations are held, and there is a certain, uh, what should I say, uh, standard that is maintained throughout all the universities uh, within India. And then, of course, uh, as a professor, I've been to so many universities, given lectures, then uh, have uh, examined uh, various students. So a certain degree of, um, I mean, uh, uniformity is maintained. But there are many examination centers which have come up, which give degrees, which have their convocation and so on and so forth. But there although they have a syllabus, which is really amazing. I mean, you won't be able to even imagine how uh, wide that syllabus is. But in actual instances, I've seen that people who come from these places to our university, because, you know, we always make it a point that they have to first come and dance. Because in dance, dancing is the last word. So no matter what degree they may have, they have to come and dance. They have to come and perform. So we have seen that many people who come and perform are uh, not at all 
uh, that good. And when you take the syllabus of the place they have come from, and uh, when you tell them you do this, 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 they are not able to do anything. So in these examination centers, there is nobody to check uh, whether uh, the proper system is being followed. Okay. There is in the universities, we have, I mean, like inter-university uh, uh, sort of, uh, I mean, communication where uh, there's a regular check. Hmm. But whether one has a degree or whether one does not have a degree, it does not really matter. What that person knows and what that person dances actually matters. Yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, I think uh, because you're yeah, going back to what you said in the beginning, you said to have a good career in dance, one needs to be a good dancer, and that's kind of yes. where it starts and ends. But yeah, thank you for giving us some background. And, uh, one more thing that I would like to add over here is yes. that, yes, you have to be a good dancer, mm -hmm. but you also have to know or you have to have an in depth knowledge. Hmm. about dance, about its history, about what you're going to present, mm -hmm. about the philosophical aspects that we are portraying. Right. Because without these, there will be no depth in your mm -hmm. dance. You just can't go on copying and mm. dancing. Because I've found that in some places, someone comes and dances, but if you ask a question on that item, they're not able to say anything. Mm. So I tell them that, look, I mean, are you wanting to become a dancer who performs in uh, 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 shows and in clubs? Or right. are you a dancer who wants to carry on the tradition of our Indian heritage? Hmm. Okay, makes sense. Then, then in that context, it makes sense why having an in-depth knowledge of the dance is important. And the next thing I want to talk about is say like your evolution as a teacher, you know, I assume you'd have multiple phases, you know, teaching, say when you, as a, active performer going across the globe, teaching as a professor, then this, uh, then, you know, teaching during COVID and the whole online program you're learning through Swayam. So just wanted to learn, know about your evolution as a teacher, how you felt your mindset has changed and just like, yeah, just curious about that aspect. Yes. I always say that I have five types of students. Hmm. I mean, five types of interaction with students, you might say. Okay. Let's see in our, Kathak system, the traditional mm -hmm. system was the one-to-one -one relationship with the guru. Right. Like uh, in earlier days, uh, there was the guru griha. But I have never actually gone and stayed in any guru griha. I've gone to my guru's house or the guru has come to my house. Mm -hmm. But it has been a one-to-one -one relationship. Right. Where every movement has been monitored, if necessary, criticized and mm -hmm. corrected. And so, actually, the guru has uh, tried to uh, to uh, make me uh, a part of his dance style. For instance, my uh, Pandit Benjamanaji always said that, look, just like by seeing a child, you can guess who the parents are. So by seeing a disciple, you can guess who the guru is. Because the disciple is a reflection of the guru. Mm -hmm. and just like a, a child is the reflection of the parents. Mm -hmm. In fact, sometimes I have seen that there are certain movements or certain ways of smiling or certain ways of looking which my guru has had, which have sort of imperceptibly come within me. And even in the case of my disciples, some of them who have been there with me for a long time, yeah. I often feel that 
know, it's I who am smiling mm-hmm. when I see their videos that, you know, like they have more or less uh, picked up so many things from me. Mm. And uh, in uh, that way, so that is the first method where a student has a one-to-one relationship with the guru. Mm-hmm. And this is there for many years. Okay. So that is uh, student type number one where it is a guru-shishya relationship. Mm. Okay. Then the second is when I went to the university. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in the first type, I always expected my students to dance in the style that I dance in. Mm. The movements of the hand should resemble my movements. You know, like uh, everything should be a reflection of me. And then whatever I did not like, I said that, no, you have to correct this or you have to see me more closely and so on. Yeah. But type two, university. Now, when I went to the university, I was teaching in the uh, MA class. Mm. Uh, uh, and there, students came in who were uh, of a certain age, I mean, of a certain maturity. And there were some who were directly trained under me. And then again, there were others who were trained by other gurus who were definitely good, but they were not exactly like me. Yeah. And the MA course was for two years, mm. four semesters. Now, within this time, you cannot change their style. Mm. And you cannot make them sort of shadows or replicas of you. Yeah. So you have to accept what they are doing, provided it is not wrong. Mm. Like, even if someone does not dance exactly in my style, that person need not be wrong. And what did I look? I mean, when I was teaching them items, I always concentrated on the idea that they should be rhythmically correct. Mm -hmm. The movements should be correct. Mm -hmm. Then again, uh, when they were doing Abhinaya, they should be able to portray the inner meaning of whatever they were portraying of the song or of the dramatic enactment. Mm. But one uh, need not uh, reflect me in entirety. In fact, sometimes when the examiners used to come and uh, they used to say, oh, this one has been trained by you from a very young age. And then they say, no, no, this one has not been trained by you. So I said that, yes, uh, you are correct. But the thing is that as long as they, I mean, within two years, you cannot change their style. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is that you can add dimensions to their dance. Mm. And you can teach them new items. You can give them ideas. And although they may not be replicas of you, they may yeah. be reflections of certain aspects of you. Mm. That is type number two at the university where they were learning from me for two years. Right. And for these two years, they learned for quite a long time. And I could see that in the first semester, they hardly yeah. resembled my style. Uh-huh. But at the end of the fourth semester, they had more or less uh, picked up my style to a great extent. Hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, two years is not at every day at the university being exposed to me. I mean, that was quite something. Yeah. So that is type, type number two. two. Then type three. Yeah. Workshops. Mm. Okay, we go for workshops 
I mean, uh, and uh, well, someone uh, said that, oh, this sounds very much like a factory. So I said that, no, yes, it's like you go and you, within a short period, maybe seven days, yeah, you teach a number of dancers. Yes. And these are well-trained dancers. Yes. They can pick up what you're teaching. They can, uh, they know rhythm, they know footwork, they know movements. Uh, I mean, they are good at what they are doing. Right. But they are not, again, my reflection or rep- replicas. Mm-hmm. In fact, once I uh, taught at a, a very well-known uh, dance institute in the United States, in Columbia, the dance school over there. Okay. I taught for six days. And at the end of the sixth day, one student who was, very, who was a very good dancer, she came and she said that we have learned your items. We know the sequence. We know more or less the movements, but when we dance, it looks like something. When you dance, it looks like something else. Hmm. So, uh, so I said that, yes, I mean, within six days, you cannot master my style, but what you're doing is definitely correct. And hmm. it is going to add to your perception of dance and to your dance repertoire. Okay. So that is again, important because instead of ever uh, having any influence of mine. I mean, they have had some sort of influence. Of okay. Mm-hmm. So that is number three. Number three. Then number four. Hmm. Number four is when I'm teaching over the net mm-hmm. or through videos. Actually, our, uh, in the government of India, I mean, the education department, it evolved these programs of teaching in the Swayam portal. I think I told you about that earlier where mm-hmm. uh, dancers are taught. Actually, the thing is that everybody cannot come directly in touch with great artists. Yeah. I mean, for various reasons, maybe uh, they stay far away or for whatever reason. But if they have an exposure through the video mm-hmm. or I mean, now they have uh, transferred those videos to uh, YouTube. And so the YouTube channel also has a number of my teaching videos. Yeah. And uh, so people can learn from there. And over Mm -hmm. there, I teach in great detail. I try to uh, realize that these students are not seeing me and they are not. So I I start from the beginning. I mean, what they should do, how they should uh, dance and so on and so forth. And then again, at the back of my mind, I always used to think that See, when I'm having a student in front of me, then I can see what that person is doing yeah. and I can correct it. But in these uh, types where teaching on the video or the internet or on the or through the YouTube, I never get to see a student. Hmm. So I really don't know what they are doing. Right. And just, uh, but I hope that they are doing well. Some of them send their videos, but then there's, since there's so many students, sometimes uh, in one program, there are more than 2,000 students. So it's not possible for me to check all the 2,000. I mean, in fact, up to now on the Swayam portal, I have taught more than 6,000 students. Wow. And from all over the world. So many parts of the world. And uh, so at one time, I used to think that, uh, is it uh, worth it? I mean, are they learning anything? I wonder. And But since it was a government program, a very prestigious program. Yeah. And then I also felt that, you know, uh, this program would reach those people who uh, I, whom I couldn't reach directly. Mm. Uh, and sometimes I also used to joke and uh, say that 
maybe even when I'm not in this world, people will learn from these videos. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, they are a, they uh, sort of bring a sort of a permanence. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, so I used to do these programs, but I always thought that, you know, I mean, uh, I don't really know whether these people are learning properly. Then at one time, I went to an university in Northeast India. Okay. It's a well-known university. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, uh, an examiner over there. Okay. And one student came and danced an item, which actually had been created by me. Oh. And uh, then I said that, where, uh, uh, from whom did you learn this item? And that student comes and says, from you. So I said, me? But I've never seen you before. And the student said that, yes, ma'am, I have learned, I mean, on the uh, uh, I mean, television uh, I mean, network, I mean, the government television network of India, you teach regularly. And I follow all those lessons that I've learned from there. Wow. And I'm yeah. so happy that I have an opportunity of performing what I learned from you in front of you. Amazing. So I was so happy that actually it, these programs did reach out to people and they did mm. influence people. It was a wonderful feeling. Then, uh, you know, like uh, in the Swayam program, there is uh, also an option where people can send emails to me. Mm -hmm. And many people, you know, I mean, so attached by their feelings and their ideas. I mean, some people have said that, uh, Madam, I have been teaching Kathak, but from your programs, yeah. I have learned that there's so much more to learn. So mm. many aspects that you have highlighted. And, uh, you know, here I have this wonderful feeling that here I am sitting in my own room and mm. uh, teaching. And that is reaching out to the entire world. Because when I started my career as a dancer and as a teacher, mm. I had to physically go from place to place. And mm. going to the United States meant such a long journey. I mean, at that time, the uh, planes were even slower and it was more or less one whole day than three or four days to recover mm. from the jet lag. And then you started teaching and uh, that was one thing. But here I just uh, get out of my bedroom and into my study and then I teach and that reaches people all over the world. And they are learning so much. And they are, uh, I mean, the letters that I receive from all of them, it really sort of touches me so much. Mm. So that was the fourth time. Then the fifth is this online class, mm. which is going on now. I mean, here uh, we have come to a situation which is in a way very difficult uh, mm. because I, uh, now I can't meet my students and my students can't meet me because you know, it's not that you just teach movements or you teach Abhinaya. You give them a part of yourself and they are influenced by you, your thoughts, by your ideas, by the way mm. you smile, by the way you speak, the way you behave. Yeah. In fact, many of my senior students say that, uh, Didi, we have not only learned dance from you, we have learned how to interact with people, how to behave with people. Mm. Now, all this cannot be done on the online classes. Right. And sometimes when new students come, I really feel that here they are and all that they have seen is a picture of me, a moving picture of me on the screen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But even then, in these times, what was the other option? Just to close the classes and not have anything at all. Mm -hmm. But at least here, we are continuing. 
and we and I always tell them. I mean, they want to see me. Many of the students say that we want to see you. We want to uh, come and meet you. Uh, but I say that yes, the time will come. But until uh, everything is clear and we are back uh, into our uh, uh, beautiful earlier world, uh, I mean, till then you have this option. And whatever you do, you are progressing. Mm -hmm. So they are learning many new things. So these are the five types of uh, teaching experiences or teaching styles that have been there hmm. as a part of my life. It's really interesting how you broke it down into five categories and how that relationship is different for each student with you. Um, and ma'am, I guess coming to my last question, uh, when it comes to say accessibility, uh, I wanted to know, like, throughout your, uh, like, based on the wisdom you've had and the experiences you've had, uh, how, how, what, what have you felt are, like, say, best practices or what are the good ways to make Kathak more accessible to the audience or when it comes to even building the audience in the first place, per se? Yes, uh, this is a very important point. And uh, because I feel that, you know, if we have to, continue with our great Indian cultural heritage. Mm. It is not good enough just to create artists. Mm. We have to create audiences. Because if there is no audience, then who will see and appreciate the performances? Mm. And naturally, when there is no uh, demand from the side, uh, from the uh, part of the audiences, then gradually a dance form or any art form dies down. Mm. So I think it is important for every artist to create their audience. Now, from time to time, I organize dance appreciation <laughs> courses. Even like I'm associated with, uh, I mean, besides the uh, Rabindranath University, I'm also associated with the uh, West Bengal, uh, uh, I mean, uh, dance uh, academy, music academy. And over there, in every place, I always tell them to organize annual uh, appreciation courses in which mm -hmm. we come and teach the audience mm -hmm. how to appreciate dance, how to love dance, mm. because that love and appreciation has to be there. But Everybody does not come to those classes. Yeah. So when we have an audience, it is the duty of the dancer to win over the audience. Hmm. Now, you might say that, do you mean that you're going to play to the gallery? Well, maybe that word sounds bad. Hmm. I mean, the, the phrase sounds bad, playing to the gallery. But again, you have to build up an appreciative audience. Mm. How? By explaining what you're doing. So like mm. in every performance that I do, I always uh, give them the theme uh, of what I'm performing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I always uh, tell them to concentrate on the important aspects. Then again, I always try to reach out to them and to perform at least one or two items mm -hmm. on uh, I mean, sort of presentations which they can sort of uh, feel at one with, which they can 
feel that they're a part of. Like when I've performed in Europe and America, mm-hmm. I have performed on Western classical music hmm. and also on walls. Like uh, my Blue Danube. I mean, I mean, like not my Blue Danube, I mean the Blue Danube. Uh, I mean, uh, but I performed, I mean, I created a Kathak performance on it. Hmm. The idea of the motion of waters and uh, then uh, com- comparing it with uh, our Kathak uh, dance uh, uh, sort of uh, presentations and uh, dance movements. Uh, I've uh, used seven dancers and created the Blue Danube, which has been very, very popular everywhere. Hmm. And even in India, you know, like there's a large section of uh, Indians who are very uh, familiar with Western culture. So everywhere they, uh, this Blue Danube has been appreciated. Then also on uh, Vivaldi's presentation, on Mozart's presentation, uh, I have worked a lot uh, at these have immediately uh, uh, sort of won over, uh, uh, I mean, uh, foreign audiences. Then again, in India, I always try to perform at least one item on a regional song, the area that I'm performing in. Okay, gotcha. Then again, I tell them that uh, you try to, I mean, how to relate them. For instance, I mean, one of my favorite items, uh, I mean, Avinaya items to a bhajan is Tumaka Chalata Ramachandra. And, uh, you know, over there, uh, I'm showing how little Ram is toddling along mm-hmm. and uh, Ram's mother is doting over him. Mm-hmm. So I always tell a foreign audience that you think of mm-hmm. little Jesus on the lap of Mother Mary. Okay. And then you think of this divine child, Ram. Oh. So you have to have the audience connected, connect with the uh, uh, presentations. Mm-hmm. Then wherever we go, we have to always, I mean, do a little homework before the presentation and find out what the audience loves. Mm-hmm. In some parts, they are uh, very fond of rhythmic pieces. There mm-hmm. we do more of rhythm than melodic pieces. We do more of melody. Mm-hmm. And here I would like to add uh, uh, something that my Guruji had said once. I mean, he said that uh, he had gone to Jhansi and over there, I mean, although it was a classical conference, but there were hardly anybody over there uh, in the audience who were fond of, uh, who were eager to see classical performances. Yeah. In fact, they had hooted out the uh, vocalist. And then when Maharaji came onto the stage, I mean, before that, he said that, well, Jhansi, Jhansi, he said that, what do these people think of about Jhansi? Get Lakshmi Bai of Jhansi and riding on a horse. So, Turanga, 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 you know, like sort of going, Turanga, Turanga, Turanga. And so he said that, yes, here you have Lakshmi Bai. Lakshmi Bai is riding the horse. And so he did that. And immediately everybody was in his favor. So Mm. you have to know how to reach out to the audience. And wherever I go, I always try to do that. Because generation after generation of audiences who have been influenced by the dance style and who have loved it, hmm. they will keep our dance style alive in the long run. Hmm. And I think it is the duty of the dancer because whenever anybody has come to see hmm. me, they have come to see me. So they want to like me. They want to see uh, like my performance. Right. So it is my duty right. to reach out to them. Hmm. Yeah. 
thank you for offering those insights i think um, my biggest takeaway was we, we always talk about how dancers have to keep a tradition alive but the role of the audience itself in keeping that tradition alive is very important as well um and yeah with that i kind of bring this episode to close um thanks a lot for coming on ma'am i think this is an episode i will listen to again and again just especially to learn about the historical aspects and just go through that there's a lot of value to listening to it repeated and just getting that in and yes i just thank you a lot for coming on it's a lot i learned today thank you it's been a pleasure and i hope your audience will like the presentation thank you so much namaste namaste